We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, check out all of Sean's great work up on rotoviz.com as always, and of course check out the Stadium Bananas podcast that he hosts as well, three times a week, along with Ben Gretsch. Sean, we have just completed a draft in the main event over at the FFPC, it is the big one, it's the one that uh, we want to take down, we want to take them all down this year, but... We want to have a, a good run here in the main event. So we have drafted. We have the whole team in the books, 20 rounds drafted. We're going to talk through it a little bit on today's show. But, Sean, it was quite fast-paced. It's uh, always interesting, as we, we mentioned on these. And we've got a lot of positive feedback on the drafts. People have been asking for more of them, and we have done quite a few. But we've also been able to share insights into our thought processes and i think we talk probably more about players in the draft series than we talk on specific shows because we're talking about multiple players and round ranges and trying to make those decisions so thanks to everyone who sent the feedback but uh thanks always uh, to the listeners as well for listening into those but it was fast-paced there was some tough decisions to make but um overall I- i'm pretty happy we'll-, we'll talk through the rest of the picks in a moment but uh pretty fun draft overall it was. It was. Uh, we started off with Tyreek Hill. The guys we were hoping would come back to us in round two did not. The the four picks, and obviously we didn't expect Darren Waller to come back, but the four picks directly in front of us, all guys we think are first-round values in Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley, Kellen Ridley, Jonathan Taylor. A little bit of a drop maybe to Justin Jefferson. He normally goes around the 2-3 turn. I like him there because I think there's a chance for him to break out uh, not really to the next level. I mean, he had 1,400 yards last season, a rookie record. I think he's going to maintain that. I think he's going to be a red zone threat. You can look at him to be kind of the receiver he was over the last half of the season last year and obviously have that first month be more productive. One of my concerns would be that, you know, if we, we've seen the situation with the Bills guys having to miss practice, we've seen the situation where it appears that Cam Newton may lose the starting job in New England uh, at the time that we're recording. That hasn't been announced by the time you listen, it may be, but may lose it because of the COVID exposures. Kirk Cousins uh, has decided to not partake. And so, you know, if you have a quarterback 
for one of your early round receivers who may miss some games because of exposures that he's had, then I think that that has to be a concern for you. That does factor in a little bit here. But these next couple guys, when you have DeAndre Hopkins, also someone who uh, I'm not 100% sure about his vaccine status at this time, but has been a little bit of a skeptic. You know, he could miss some time. He's also got Randell Moore kind of pulling back some of the upside that he had from last season. With DK Metcalf, you have the potential lower passing volume, and you have Tyler Lockett siphoning some of those receptions. A.J. Brown, someone who has a bye week issue. It really comes down to, for me, to Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb in that spot. And Lamb drafted kind of in the middle of the third column. This is our main event. You kind of want to go by your board regardless for these big money leagues. You're not necessarily saying, oh, well, I just get my exposure somewhere else. But Justin Jefferson versus C.D. Lamb probably – a, a somewhat straightforward choice still there given what Justin Jefferson has already put on tape. Yeah, I think so. I think if we look at how these drafts are going to play out, you know, 80% of the time, it's going to be the way it played out here with Jefferson going kind of just short for round ahead of, um, of, of lamb. We, we obviously love lamb. We've talked about him a huge amount this off season. Um, when it would get to the situation where the, the next picks after that are Hopkins, Metcalf and, I was quite surprised Cooper Cup went in the second round in this is the highest I've seen him going than AJ Brown. I would be having Lamb pretty close to the AJ Brown Metcalf pick, whereas Jefferson, I just have a slight bit ahead of them. So I think it's the the right the right decision. And as you mentioned, when it is a case that there's, you know, nineteen hundred dollars on the line for the entry fee, it, it makes those decisions uh, a little bit more pressure on them than if it's a you know a thirty-five dollar league, for example. But uh, just that's I didn't notice that during the draft. I've just noticed Cooper Cup at the um, it was the two eleven. I know we're going to talk about our team here, but surprised by that one. Yes, at the same time, I mean, there's just so much enthusiasm around this Rams squad. We actually have Robert Woods go in the middle of the fourth round for this one, which is low for him. He's been going up in that sort of wide receiver 13 range, which is actually above, you know, his career best. If you look at these two guys and say, okay, well, the last time they had good quarterback play, either Brandon Cooks or Sammy Watkins was a third receiver. They don't have that right now. Van Jefferson is not going to be the same kind of target hog those other two guys were. You know, if, if they continue to do what they do, even though they're underneath receivers, they're going to have a very high catch rate and you have sky high floors for these two players. Maybe you like the floor in the way that it allows you to build your team from that point. I really like to go for ceiling early. I think there are uh, some analysts who would say, yeah, I mean, the high floor means that you, by very nature, have to have something of a high ceiling because it's, it's going to be above that floor, which we've already discussed, right? And so, you know, maybe you have kind of both things there. You have the weekly consistency of these underneath routes and high targets. I think that we could see more involvement from the peripheral players. I think we could see more rushing attempts. I think we could see a little bit of a slower paced game with the defense dominating and the offense being, you know, more efficient in the first half than they were the last couple of years under Jared Goff. So I think that the upside may be a little bit overstated. I think that even if it's not overstated, even if I'm wrong on it, and I, I always like to stipulate that I'm wrong frequently, it still is a tricky price, right? I mean, there's just, there's not a lot of room for them to go. So it's not the way that I would play it, but I could certainly see it working out 
for those drafters. It's not something where you're going to look back and be like, oh, well, you know, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods lost me the draft. That's that's pretty unlikely. So it's not a big mistake from that perspective. Colin, the normal guys go off the board in round three. It gets to us at the 309. We were really kind of uh, feverishly debating this TJ Hawkinson versus DeAndre Swift pick. Hawkinson sadly didn't make it back to us. We went with Swift, who has all the discussion around his groin. We're not pretending that's not a concern, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, okay, well, you know, did these guys make a mistake with the Rams players? You know, that's not going to kill you. If you draft DeAndre Swift here and he doesn't play most of the season, that will hurt you. It doesn't kill you. You know, you have a good structured draft. You know, players go out and you have to work around them. You know, we talk about the, the draft that Blair and I did last year and, you know, Julio Jones was the first round pick. And we ended up finishing 31st overall because of the structure, even though, you know, he does not really do much over the second half of the season. So you can lose your first round pick. You can win your league. You can finish in the top 50, but it's not ideal. And so we take a little bit of risk there. I think that Swift is going to be a top five pick next year. I think that the massive gap in talent between him and Jamal Williams works in his favor as the season progresses. So it's a matter of, you know, really how bad is that injury can he get well with it? I think to, to an extent, what we're getting from the Lions is they're trying to manage expectations and they're also trying to keep him from going too hard too early because they also want him healthy to be an impact player this year. Then we come back in round four. It's Chris Godwin. Uh, didn't get a great value on him relative to Mike Evans, who goes a full round later. But Godwin, the guy, the overall wide receiver two in 2019, probably doesn't have that upside with Antonio Brown. Uh, just <laughs> siphoning so many targets as the wide receiver three. But we like him as the guy who can be the vertical threat. He can be the underneath threat. He has the run after the catch ability. There is so much about Chris Godwin that kind of puts him in that Stefan Diggs kind of category where he's good before the catch, he's good after the catch. He's got an elite QB. He's undervalued because of the injuries last season. And when you consider really how significant these injuries were Colin. I mean, he's basically being drafted in the same range as he scored last year with all of that working against him. Yeah. It's a bit like you, I know you only touched on it, but you mentioned the situation where um, Robbie or Robert, Robert Woods went in this draft and, you know, it's kind of at where he's his career best is. Whereas Chris Godwin last year was a really tough year for him with everything that went on and we're getting him at that particular spot if, if things go anyway right from this year he's going to be a big return on that value you, you mentioned as well he is pretty much an all-round wide receiver in terms of the the Stephon Diggs mold as well there was a couple of interesting points there it was probably one of the most debated parts of what we were hoping to happen versus what happened we were hoping to maybe get Hawkinson or Swift at the the tree spot and we did get Swift so that obviously worked out would have been interesting if we had both on the board but as as things played out I'm, I'm quite happy because we later got Fanta Gasecki and I think that puts us in a good spot if we look at the person who has drafted Hawkinson uh, they unfortunately for them it looks like went on auto draft from round 17 uh, they drafted three tight ends in a row with uh, Tyler Conklin Jimmy Graham and Jordan Atkins so I would much rather be in the situation that we find ourselves in with with Fanton Gasicki and then the players that we missed out on there were DJ Moore and T Higgins I think would have been our targets where Chris Godwin went but I have Godwin and Moore pretty close and in most formats I'm uh, drafting more over Godwin but with the way the buys play out and with the Thursday night football 
uh, option as well in this format. I give Chris Godwin an edge. So we got him a little bit after DJ Moore. T. Higgins, Sean would have been would have been interesting if he was there at that spot. Um, would you still have went with Moore at that particular spot, or would you have been tempted by Higgins? Well, I have Higgins above Moore and Godwin, so it, it would be tricky. You know that you're not getting a great ADP value necessarily, although Higgins does continue to rise, and there's no guarantee really at any point in the draft that you're going to get him uh, if you pass on him and allow him to go to the next round. So uh, that's an interesting element there. Colin, we're also looking a little bit about some of these other teams. Patrick Mahomes goes one pick after us. They're in round four. Josh Allen goes later in round four. Lamar Jackson, who I think is set up to have a monster season, uh, is there at the 502. Hopefully he won't miss games with COVID exposures. Uh, what do you think about these quarterbacks in this range? Kyler Murray, someone we considered at the 509. Uh, a little bit interesting to see him fall uh, really to what is the equivalent of a full tier below those other guys. I think that I like Murray ahead. In terms of building an overall portfolio, you're probably still going to take Patrick Mahomes first, possibly still going to take Josh Allen second. I think Murray's upside is above those two quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the obviously we know what Mahomes can do and he's going to put up a lot of touchdowns this year. But what we get from the likes of Murray or Allen or Jackson, the rushing upside, I know we get some rushing from Mahomes, but not not to the same extent and i think in this it was very interesting it was quite hard to pass on murray in that sixth round when he had gone as late after those other guys as he had because i as you mentioned for me they're all in one tier and i have murray um right there with alan and mahomes um so i uh i, I found that very hard to pass up but to get Fanton to give us that construction that we were going to end up with that was the the right call for me but uh, murray there a really strong value for team 11 we did take trace sermon in the fifth round we were hoping to get Ayuk or judy at that point and then chase claypool was kind of the backup option he went off the board but in terms of the running backs available in this range sean he is somebody who is a clear target for you and i think that this 49ers offense is going to as i mentioned in the draft itself is going to score a lot of points this year um and i think that puts all the running backs in a good spot but i think it puts sermon in a, a really intriguing spot there it does. This is arguably an overpay. We would have strongly preferred that Ayuk, Judy, or Claypool would get back to that slot. Take Sermon in round six instead. ADP suggests he probably would have been there. At the same time, the 49ers finished third in points to the running back position in 2019, fourth in 2020. They did that without guys of the talent level that Sermon might be. Now, we have to emphasize might. Again, this is a little bit of a reach in terms of a, a projectable player as a rookie. You know, Maybe not the running back resume coming out of college that you would expect for a player who has generated such incredible buzz in training camp. But we wanted to have a little bit of exposure to the upside there once our wide receiver targets were gone. You had mentioned Murray. We passed on him in round five. That was a difficult choice. He didn't quite make it back to us in round six. And so Fant was the consolation move there. That really worked out because of things that happened a little bit later in the draft. But Colin, as we wrap back around into round seven, LaVisca got within four picks of us. We knew he wasn't going to make it all the way, but it's still hard when you see him get close. We picked Debo Samuel. Uh, a lot of sharp people think that he could outscore Ayuk this season. They're not necessarily picking him ahead of Ayuk, but when you're, again, building those portfolios, you want to get exposure to both guys. And Samuel is the easier player to create that exposure to. He has that underneath ability. His run after the catch is extraordinary. You know, what he did in 2019, scoring almost 200 points, 
He's someone I think is uh, a fantastic value at this spot. Later, we did draft, draft Trey Lance, and so it kind of works together nicely. If Lance has the season we're hoping from him, it probably will work out that Samuel has been able to take the next step. Yeah, I think that that's the hope, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. And again, we talked about Sermon. We've obviously drafted Lance. We'll touch on a little bit later. We love Brant Nayuk. We love Kittle. I, I just think this offense is going to is going to steamroll in twenty twenty one. We did move then to AJ Dillon. I thought that he was the the clear value at that particular point in the draft, and it was interesting in this range. Sean James Conner went off the board very very shortly before that, and that made that we kind of pushed to that, but later on in the draft some james connor tends to go in that ronald jones zach moss area and he had gone off the board twice two rounds before that so i i think that to get dylan where we got him and then to get jones where we got him put us in a, a good position there um i know you mentioned during the draft though that aj dylan pick might have structurally affected us what's your thoughts on it now when we recap the, the full draft completed I wish we had taken Michael Thomas or DJ Chark. I, I think those guys have more upside that they fit into the build better. You're going to have to wait on Thomas. Obviously, he's not healthy. With Chark, we don't know. He's coming back from that finger surgery. It could be a situation where he falls to the third wide receiver, in which case you know, definitely wouldn't be a value right there. The thing that happened that really caused a problem after we selected Dylan is that Will Fuller did not make it anywhere close to where he normally goes. We would have probably drafted him in round nine. Instead, we take Mike Gesicki. He has the week 14 bye. We're not as concerned about that with having Fant ahead of him, but he does offer us some Fant protection. And in this format, a lot of flex potential. Then it wraps back around. We had a little bit of a mini debate between Ronald Jones and Zach Moss. Moss might have a safer setup is really him and Singletary, where with Jones, he's looking at both Fournette and Geo. He could be squeezed out of the high-value touches there. But Jones, a clearer talent, really a guy who is a star there in Tampa, and yet you know that's overshadowed because of the things that they do have going on with that depth chart. It's also an offense that's going to score a ton of points and is going to be a little bit more traditional than this Buffalo offense that – might opt to be extremely pass heavy again last season uh, i was telling ben when we were kind of talking after the show the other day that according to the nfl pace tool they ran 583 plays last season with a lead of at least seven points and they passed 57 percent of the time so number one we expect that to bounce back and be more normal this season number two it's possible that it doesn't because they have analyzed the situation and realized you know, if, if you want to run a lot of plays when you're ahead seven, you should pass the ball because it's the way to score points. And so, you know, if the Bills decide to win games and blow teams out again this year, then maybe that doesn't uh, work out quite as well for their running backs as it you know, will for the Buccaneers, who I would expect to have a ton of running back points. We also get the option if he has a three touchdown game on Thursday night, we can fill him into the starting lineup very easily. Colin, we had four running backs in the first 10 rounds. We might've been conditioned to this a little bit by the listener league. We currently have going on uh, a best ball tournament where we have five early running backs, but in part because the wide receivers are basically the only players being selected. Uh, you know, the listener leagues are, are, are very, very fun. What do you think about having the four early runners? We definitely didn't really set it up this way. One of the things that you do find is that if you go wide receiver early, yeah, wide receivers will will feel like the value's late. If you go running back early, 
then those wide receiver values you often get will not be there. The wide receiver values in rounds 9, 10, 11, 12, not particularly good in this draft. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. No, they, they weren't, but I, you mentioned the four running backs, and I think we did the right thing when we had the four of them we stopped at that point so we did then start to take shots where we may need to you know switch things around at times or maybe some of these that don't work out but we've given ourselves a number of options where i would expect one or two of them to to really work out first in a beneficial way in terms of in the 11th we've gone with rugs and the 14th we've gone with rager then later on in the 17th we've gone with quez watkins and there's obviously the talk around who of them emerges should give us at least one of those if not two and last year there was quite a number of times that we drafted 
DJ Moore early and then drafted Robbie Anderson late. And we had a lot of weeks where we started both of those guys. So maybe we end up with a similar situation uh, with the Eagles this year. Although both of those guys have gone late, we took a shot on Dinami Brown in the 18th round, somebody who you mentioned Blair Andrews really likes. And again, the upside there of him, how things play out in those early weeks could really change uh, the perspective of him. But obviously we got we got our guy in the 15th round who's going to be the one that solves all our issues, and that's KJ Hamler. But I think, Sean, with the, the build of those five wide receivers that we did take in the, the last 10 rounds and having those four running backs in those first 10 rounds, I think the problem would have been if we had to continue to hit running backs later on in the draft and not give ourselves the upside. And the other thing I think to, to consider is we do have the, through those first uh, 10 picks, we do have four wide receivers, but we also have two tight ends in a tight end premium format that we can potentially start both of those. So when we're talking about one in the flex, there is a possibility that we can still start our wide receivers and have those two tight ends to, to come into play as well. So I, I think that the way we've built it and, and took those four at the start, if we hadn't took those four at the start, we would have probably took six running backs overall potentially. And because we've taken the four at the start, we've given ourselves more wide receiver and tight end options for the rest of the draft. Yeah, if we had gone with one of our more normal builds, we would have taken Anthony McFarland and Jamar Jefferson late, and that would have given us a little bit of a different look. One of the things that I think happens in these drafts is that people see the deep wide receivers and think, oh, I can imagine a scenario in which that guy plays well, and I would have him in my fantasy lineup. And because you can imagine that in some ways, imagine it more easily than you can imagine it for some of the backup running backs. Then you tend to think, okay, wide receiver is deep. I'm fine. I don't have to worry about it. And that, that's just not really the way it plays out, right? When you're looking at somebody and saying, well, I can imagine a scenario, you need to have four or five, six guys where you can imagine scenarios and hope that you know, one or two of them maybe actually play out that way. Because again, we're not looking for these sort of low end scores. You need to be crushing your opponents in the flex spots. You don't do that with guys who are you know, out there running some deep routes and occasionally catching some passes. You've got to have stars to do it. We'll see if it plays out for us. You also have to kind of go with the draft that you're given. One of the things that happened in our FBG draft, we were wide receiver heavy early, and then the values were very clearly at wide receiver through the middle rounds in that you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 area. And we said, look, you know, we're not going to just give away these wide receiver values to the other teams. We're going to keep taking them. We'll be fine with how the running back position comes together. You know, there's some pushback against that. People always want to know, well, how are you going to play all those guys? Well, as soon as a guy gets suspended, a guy gets hurt, you know, two guys are on the bye, then it's no longer a question. You actually can still dominate, whereas most other teams don't have answers, right? And so that answer uh, is the crucial answer. In a draft like this, the wide receiver values that actually would have been very helpful for us if they had been there, weren't there. And so again, you have to take the guys who are there. I like what we did. One of the things that made this draft really fun, and I think for me fixed any kind of uh, regret about maybe the round eight pick or not having enough wide receivers, maybe the round five pick, you know, maybe AJ Dillon was the clear pick, but Trey Sermon in round five was the big reach. The thing that kind of redeems it for me is that quarterback worked out really well. This draft did have Mahomes and Allen going round four, you know, Jackson in round five. You see Murray Prescott, uh, guys like Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers come out in round seven and eight. It's not that those aren't decent values where those guys couldn't be league winners. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, multi-time MVP, Justin Herbert, someone the range of outcomes tool expects to take a big step forward, even for what was a very nice rookie season. We know the hybrid upside that Russell Wilson has. 
And yet at the same time, there are some very good players going in those rounds. The late QBs is another area where it's really easy to be overconfident and say, okay, well, I could see a way that this would work out. At the same time, we drafted Trey Lance in round 12, Joe Burrow in round 13. I like to take the two shots because I think that just relying on one gives you a very kind of flimsy situation there. You know, maybe even for, for week one, we're still in trouble and maybe need to add a very deep quarterback uh, in for agency, Zach Wilson, maybe the most exciting guy who wasn't picked in this draft. Also a little bit surprisingly considering, you know, what, what he did in the preseason, Jameis Winston not picked in this draft. So there are some directions that we can go, but that Lance Burrow combo, especially if we can get some favorable streaming, I, people can be overconfident too, in terms of how you stream, and especially with someone like a Trey Lance, who is going to have a big rushing component. It may be not as clear going into the games, you know, who's going to be the one who benefits the most, but the upside is definitely there. Yeah. The upside is there. And I think the situation becomes, if you're just picking Lance and you're rolling with that as your single quarterback, or you're just picking Burrow, that can become tricky, especially with the uncertainty around status for week one for both of those guys. But you know, if you take a Patrick Mahomes, if you take Josh Allen, you know, if you take one of those top guys, I can see the reason for, for sitting back. But if you're taking one of those guys, Really, any of the guys after Tom Brady, um, so that's quarterback nine, I think you get into a situation then where you probably do need that second option because you're looking at guys like Fields. Stafford's probably another one that you might not need to have those two options, but the likes of Hurts, the likes of Lance, the likes of Burrow, Cousins, we'll see how things play out, you know, in terms of you might want to stream those matchups a little bit more. But, yeah, we, we've been targeting Burrow. We, we're on the Bengals. That's no surprise to the listeners and I think Lance is in a really strong position. It's just whether he starts at the start of the season or whether he starts as the season goes on. And the tricky part for that could be if they're five and zero come their week six by, and you know things are Garoppolo's the starter and things are going quite well, then we start to get into positions. Do they make the change or do they just continue with what they have? So ideally, the sooner that change is made, the better for for us and, and for Trey Lance. Sean, overall, just final thoughts on our team. We're going to touch on two other teams in a second, but. I think it's it's worked out worked out pretty well. Probably not the exact build we were going for, but I think all things considered, there there's a lot of things to like about it. There's a couple of things, obviously, that we touched on that we would change. And a lot of times when we finish these drafts, what we do tend to say is pretty happy with how everything went. But there is a couple of things in this one we would change. But the benefit to a draft like this is it's a managed league and we have the options to change some things as the season goes along on the waiver wire. But um, overall, um, relatively happy with how things have played out here for us. I am. I, this draft, and, and one of the reasons why we might make some subtle changes, is that the team is going to be a little more fragile than we go with. At the same time, the upside is, is definitely there, right? We took three wide receivers in the first four rounds. That's still a somewhat unpopular build. But with Hill, Jefferson, and Godwin, you have this crazy upside across this position that scores a lot of points. And then with DeAndre Swift, so much of it comes down to if he's healthy. Now, there are plenty of paths to still winning the title if he's not. But if he's healthy, then you suddenly have this impact running back. And then you can look at those other three guys and Sermon, Dylan, and Jones, and you really only one of them to emerge. So that would be the ideal situation. You get Swift, you get one of those guys. They're both putting up RB1 
finishes every week. And suddenly you've got that with the wide receiver firepower. Now, a little bit more than normal, we need the receivers to stay healthy because if you go out with Hill, Jefferson, Godwin, and Debo Samuel, you're looking at a four wide receiver start that is, is very, very good. So nothing to be concerned about there. It's more about injuries. It's more about bye weeks. It's more about depth. And so, you know, then we need our breakout running backs to come through. I think it's an exciting team from an upside perspective. Column, the other teams in this draft, one of the things that was interesting, I thought this was a much tighter draft through the first 10 rounds than our FBG. I thought it was actually maybe a little softer in 11 through 20, which is nice because then you feel like you actually got an extra pick or two, you know, if you're still getting value in, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, that kind of thing. That's a lot of fun. That said, if the draft is tight through 10 rounds, then you're going against 11 competitors who have solid starting lineups. We talked throughout the original episodes that the Christian McCaffrey drafter had done a very nice job. He goes with McCaffrey, then the A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen. He gets Deontay Johnson. In round five, he takes Javante Williams, who's one of our favorite upside running backs. You could see the two of those guys at running back giving you uh, some through-the-roof potential. Then Devontae Smith, a little bit of a, a risky selection there, but someone I was arguing for, so you know I'm on board with that pick. We're going to hope that Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins, maybe one of them, ends up being the top guy in Philly. We got much better prices than uh, he got on Smith. Again, much better prices because a lot lower odds. Antonio Jones in round seven, Elijah Moore in round eight. So he's still on the Moore bandwagon, even with the injury and Corey Davis playing well. Corey Davis was long gone at that point, again, to give you a little sense of, of how early he is going now. Then Irv Smith, one of our tight end targets. You've got the Tom Brady-Justin Fields matchup. Not as good a value as we got on Lance and Burrow, but you know more safety with Tom Brady not being hurt like Joe Burrow is and having demonstrated over the second half of last season that he can put up massive points in that offense. J.D. McKissick and James White giving him that receiving Backup, you have Cole Komet as our other favorite tight end. And so this team out of the 101 is going to be very difficult to beat. We'll have to hope that uh, some things just fall right for us and that we can outscore them as opposed to hoping that things go wrong. I don't think that that's the way to get the job done. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a, a really nice build overall. A lot of our favorite targets in there. That was one of the teams that I mentioned that I think is probably um, subscribed uh, to the website, probably listened to the podcast. I could be wrong. Uh, a couple of people did reply to me on Twitter. They wouldn't give out what number they were in the draft. Uh, they asked me to guess what number it was. So I I'm guessing number one and number 12, who we'll touch on in a moment. But you did mention the second half of the draft maybe being a little bit softer. And I do think we, we talk about this a lot. People talk about the first picks and how the things go after the first five picks, six picks. A lot of people don't talk enough about how the back end of the draft plays out. That's really where you can can lose it in the overall draft itself. We see, I mentioned earlier, you know, team number seven, whatever happened, unfortunately, it looks like they auto-drafted those last uh, four picks, and the three of those were at the tight end position with Conklin, Graham, and Atkins, and that's going to put them at a, a disadvantage there. Something else I noticed in the draft, Sean, was through the last four rounds, there was only six wide receivers taken. We took two of those six so you talk about wide receiver not being deep. This here again shows that there's not a huge amount of options there. And I know there was defenses and kickers taken in that range, but at the same time, we're seeing a lot more running backs and, and tight ends go in that area. Um, I think there was a number of areas where teams did slip up a little bit based on their first half of the draft versus what they did for their constructions in that second half. 
with Team 12, started with Darren Waller, then Saquon Barkley, both people who were hoping might have fell back to us in that second round. Then DJ Moore, who's one of our favorite targets, T. Higgins, then Logan Thomas, who we talked about, Odell Beckham, Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, Michael Carter, Tony Pollard, Kenyon Drake's probably the one that I, I wouldn't select there. Uh, then Stevenson, Kenneth Gainwell, Bateman, Justin Tucker, Paris Campbell, who we talked about, Patriots defense, Jared Patterson, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Latavius Murray. So overall, Sean, I think you'll probably give it a, an A-plus just for the Ryan Fitzpatrick pick in the 19th round, but um, I think that's a, a really solid team overall. It is a perfect one, and if they were to get any production from Rashad Bateman, uh, before midseason, then you know it's a home run. We we like Campbell. He could be a guy who breaks out there. It was a little bit interesting. They only had one running back through round eight, and then one on a string of taking Carter Pollard, Drake Stevenson, Gainwell. Uh, Carter Pollard, Stevenson, and Gainwell all very exciting. Kenyon Drake, not somebody that we like, but could easily be someone we're just wrong on, right? I mean, you have anything happen to Josh Jacobs? And you know, Kenyon Drake was not good last year. It's worth plenty of fantasy points. I mean, the Raiders are going to deploy him in a situation that lends itself to fantasy scoring. If anything that happens with Jacobs, it can be easy to ignore that simply because uh, we're concerned about the talent. So definitely an A-plus for the freak score calculator. Colin, there were some slightly more running back heavy builds. We had a team out of the 10 slot start with Devontae Adams, which is interesting, but then go with Taylor Montgomery, James Robinson, and Daryl Henderson. I, you know, we love Taylor the value on Robinson there in round four, I think you can really get behind that. There's there's no reason to believe that he'll be substantially worse than he was last season. Maybe they don't pass to him as much. Maybe Carlos Hyde uh, does get a few of the touches, maybe even a few high-value touches. That would be unfortunate for the Jaguars' chances of winning if he does. But you have to like those guys there. And David Montgomery, Terrell Henderson, they could definitely return value. Comes back, takes Tyler Boyd and Jalen Waddle Boyd. An interesting pick. That's kind of where we have him. Robbie Anderson, Juju, uh, still available. And so uh, there are some other people he potentially could have selected, including LaVisca, who went in the middle of round seven. Then the Aaron Rodgers pick at QB, Dallas Goddard, who went one slot after we selected Gasicki. A lot of people probably raising their eyebrows a little bit at that. We could have gone Goddard instead. Uh, the fact that Ertz is still there, the fact that the receivers are looking better, the fact that this is a team with a buy issue, just like Kasiki, makes it somewhere where it's not that clear cut. I think that Kasiki has a little bit more chance to break out as the star there. Goddard probably the safer pick. Jamal Williams, Evan Ingram, Emmanuel Sanders, Sterling Shepard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. And so with Sanders and Shepard, a couple of the safer veteran receivers, that's not the kind of build that we like, but we could definitely see it working out. We had... Three teams that started running back, running back at the sixth spot, Austin Eckler and Nashi Harris at the seven, Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon at the eight, Aaron Jones and Antonio Gibson. Colin, I kind of like the fact that those teams have given themselves or, or have stacked in a lot of downside. And in each team, I think there's at least one of the two players that is somewhat uh, overvalued. The team six comes back with Clyde Edwards or Blair around three. We like that value. All three of those picks to start have a lot of receiving upside at the running back position. And then they go Cooper, Judy, Smith-Schuster, and LaVisca. Uh, they were the team that that arguably reached, although Will Fuller should be going much earlier. So it's not a reach in terms of like actual production, just kind of compared to where the ludicrous ADP is. 
It's one of the situations where, yeah, I mean, wide receiver is not as deep as people think, but if you start with those three running backs and then you're able to get the values on those receivers coming back in the middle, it's one of the reasons that the round or the, the number six slot tends to have a very good win rate. You can sort of navigate values a little more easily when you're the dead center of the draft. And this team has obviously done a perfect job. Yeah. The one thing I would say then, you know, this was kind of a team where I thought the second half of the draft might have been where they slipped up. So they went with Eckler, Harris, and Edwards Alaire to start. And obviously it's a, a three running back start. Did pick up then with what they did after that. But then in the 13th round, 14th round, 15th round, 17th round and 20th round they did load up on five more running backs so that would be kind of like if we look through how the draft played out the more i look at it the heavier the running back teams have become outside of team one really um in terms of how the the overall build was so maybe that will work slightly in our favor um but overall sean i think that we've we've done a, a an above average team here and i i think we'll hopefully be in, in contention but a uh, very interesting draft all around again that was in the ffpc main event hopefully you've enjoyed listening to these bonus episodes of rotoviz overtime again if you want to sign up to rotoviz.com you can get yourself a listeners only discount all you have to do is add the code rv radio 2021 at checkout that'll get you access to all of the content and tools and get you a 10 percent discount of the nfl pass on rotoviz.com you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland you can send us any questions you have my way on twitter or you can email them at rotovizradio at gmail.com my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com i got a number of dms on twitter over the last week i got a number of emails to ask me when is the zero rb piece is coming out when is part two coming out when's part three coming out i have a draft today i need to get the, so the questions were coming in but they've all been released so if you haven't checked it out already make sure you check them out they are well well worth the price of admission they will help you in your drafts over the next couple of weeks but until we're back with another episode of the show we will have that regular programming coming your way as well the regular road of his overtime podcast make sure you subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed and until we're back with another podcast have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on road of his radio please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at road of his radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at road of his radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to road of his with a discount through the road of his radio homepage road of forward slash podcast Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.